Today's podcast is brought to you by ELIC. Listen, y'all know my mission is to bring hope everywhere I go. I just like to leave a trail of it. And this is an organization that is doing it already. I couldn't be more excited to share with you that we are partnering with ELIC. They are dedicated to changing lives by equipping and sending people to teach English in unreached areas. I'm talking about Asia. I'm talking about the Middle East. I'm talking about North Africa. And you've heard me say it before. English is the language that most of the planet is beginning to lean into. They provide training, support, and a team of passionate people who are ready to make a difference. So if you're a college student, a recent graduate, or maybe you're somebody old like me that's like, I got some time on my hands. They've got a two to six week option in the summer that's perfect for you. If you're ready to create hope with a global impact, visit elic.org slash human hope. Hey, all right, y'all know. Welcome, men, women, and children. Hope is in the building. Welcome to another episode of the Human Hope Podcast with your host, Carlos Enrique Gutierrez Guzman and Chibolo Cabello or Los for short. Dr. Delight bringing us in with these beats. It is episode 127, 127. How in the world have I had 127 things to say? That's more than two years. That is, I, I had a lot less gray hair in my face when I started this thing, but here we are. Uh, and you are going to love today's guest that is gonna bring us into 127 with truth and inspiration. Oh, it's gonna be a good, good day. Hey, listen, I'm a week into 50, right? Or no, two weeks, maybe two and a half weeks, I don't know. How is 51 next? That is weird, that is weirding me out. But I'm loving it, I'm having a good time. We had a incredible, incredible church conference this last week. I'm telling you, I met so many of my podcast, specifically podcast listeners, not just Instagram followers, but podcast listeners this week. And it was so encouraging to me to hear how you are consuming these episodes and, and how you just feel like we're just, you know, hanging out for an hour every week, wherever it is that you're going. Today, I have, I have not felt like I have, oh, what's the word? Not connected, but identified with a guest as much as I really am today. You know, Joanna, okay, I'm giving away who it is already. Joanna Rojas Van, Rojas, you've got to say her name like Rojas. She actually, my mind is blown how similar our stories are. But what I love about her is she is brilliant. She's a great storyteller and she's the author of a brand new fiction novel. How many novelists do I have on my podcast? None. How many do I have now? One. That's right, because Joanna is going to tell us her story. She is the daughter of immigrant parents just like I was, right? And she was the child of specifically Latino immigrants, okay? And so she wrote this book based, not loosely based, a lot based on her story of kind of ignoring the Latino part of her for a long time. And then, you know, trying to fit in, trying to be white, trying to do all the things that, you know, the child of an immigrant would do if they come to America, try to fit in, right? But here's the deal. She really, in college, just kind of like I did more recently in my life, leaned into the Latina part of who she is, right? She grew up in New York City and she just, the story of her mother 
is really mind blowing and what it took to get to America. And I finally finished the book, how she is so talented in her storytelling while making sure that we move through the intricacies and the important parts of what it means to have and to love and to protect immigrants in this country. It is an incredible, incredible story. So without further ado, it's our brand new friend, Joanna Rojas Van. Okay, Human Hope Familia, I am with, I'm, I'm really excited, Joanna, watch this, Rojas Van. <laughs> That's right, you got it. <laughs> I got it, Joanna Rojas Van. No one gets it right. No you one gets it right. It. <laughs> I got it right. I got it right because I can live on both sides. Yes. Of the spectrum. Yes. Um, and uh, and you just told me that it's Van, not Vaughn. Correct. Because everyone says Vaughn for some, some reason. People want to make it fancier than exactly. it actually is. But there's no U, there's no G, it's just a Van. But can I tell you why they want to do it? Why? Is because there's two N's. Mm. And so suddenly you almost are intimidated by the second N. <laughs> and so you think to yourself, it can't it be It can't be Van. van. <laughs> because there's two N's. Uh, it's got to be that. Vaughn. So just to let you know why people that. have gone there. Well, thanks for hanging out with the Human Hope family. And uh, I'm holding in in my hands your debut. Yes. Did I even say that right? Debut? Debut, debut? yeah. Yeah, debut. Yeah. Novel. Mm-hmm. Now, now I'm, across, I'm sitting across from a novelist, okay? <laughs> and I've written, I think, five books. My lifelong dream, beyond all the books, is to write a novel. Mm, so not, really? Yes. Wow. Okay, so this, this conversation is going to have to excel past the podcast studio because I'm going to need your help yes. when I get to this place in my life. But I'm always so fascinated by people that write novels just because I know how difficult it is to write a book that is just a bunch of my ideas, mm. much you know less having to weave in characters and plot and setting and all of the things that you have to do with this. So for, let, let's start here. This is your first book. Yes. Tell me, what was it like just writing a novel as your first <laughs> thing? Like, like, what was it? What was like? Tell me the story on yeah. how you got here. Yeah. Well, thank you for calling me a novelist. Yes. I can't believe I'm a novelist. I know you are. Dream come true. Yeah. But it was, it was incredibly stressful. Okay. <laughs> I've always been a writer. I've been a writer my whole life. Okay. I've done television writing and then I did copywriting for okay. a few years. Okay. But I've never done anything like this. Got it. But I've always loved to read. I've always loved novels. Always, always loved fiction. So after I left corporate America when I had my first baby, okay. I had been collecting stories from my mom for many, many years. Uh-huh. And so the year came for me to leave corporate America and stay home with my baby. Oh. And I remember being incredibly overwhelmed with copywriting freelance work that I was doing for a couple different clients. And I was in the car with my husband one day and he was just, I guess, getting tired of hearing how stressed I was (laughs) by this freelance work that I was trying to do just during nap time because I didn't have any childcare. And he looked at me and said, because he knew all of these stories that I had, he knew about me like keeping records of of all the stories for my mom. And he just said, when are you going to stop writing for other people and write for yourself? And I was like, what? (laughs) And I was like, can I do that? Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, yes, quit it. Give yeah. it all up yeah. and just write it like this. So many people have told you this would be a great book. Just do it already. Yeah. Like, and he told me, you know, you have a baby. I know it's hard, but 
when are, when are you going to have more time than right now? You know, mm. in the future, there's going to be more kids. Yeah. It's going to be harder. Like, take the nap times and just do it now. Wow. And that week, I sent all of my clients an email. <laughs> and I didn't expose myself. I didn't tell them what I was going to do. But I said, yeah. hey, it's time. You know, I wrapped up all the projects. Sure. I didn't leave them hanging. Yeah. But I said, it's time for me to work on a personal project. I'm so sorry. I can't serve you anymore right now. I'll let you know when I'm ready to get back into it. Okay. Never got back into it because wow. it worked out. Yeah, it worked <laughs> out. That is incredible. So how long ago was that conversation? You that was in 2021. Okay. So not that long ago because my son ago. was born in January of 2021. So it's, it's as of the point of this recording, September of 2023, I'm holding a completed novel in my hands. And tell me a little bit about, had you even studied how to write anything longer than... TV or copywriting for businesses or whatever. Like this is, this is a whole thing. I know. That's why I say it was so stressful because yeah. I hadn't, I, okay. I didn't have any experience, never took a class, never took a seminar, never even talked to an author about it. But I this just, this is my favorite. You literally are just like, <laughs> I'm writing a novel. I'm just going to try it. <laughs> The good thing is that I have a writer's group that I'd been a part sure. uh, I'd been a part of for a year at that point. Oh, like a, a, a group of writers. A, yeah, six of out. us women who get together every other week yeah. and hold each other accountable to writing. Yeah. And so I told them, hey, I think I want to do this. I want to okay. try writing a novel. Hold me accountable. And yeah. they did. And so I did read a couple books. You know, yeah. one of my favorites is called Save the Cat Writes a Novel. Kind okay. of a funny name, but it's a great one. And I read a books couple on writing on novels? writing novels. Oh, yes. Okay. So I read a couple books, listened to a couple podcasts. And yeah. then I decided I just need to do it and yeah. try yeah. and then I'll figure it out along the way. Because at some point you're you're learning yes. too much, right? Like it's all going over your head at yes. some point. And until you actually do it, Come on. you're not going to figure out how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so I just put it all away and I said, I just need to sit down and write. Yeah. And so for about six months during nap time, which was twice a day, uh -huh. I would sit down and write. If I needed a little more time, I'd go to the YMCA yeah. <laughs> and drop off my baby because okay, yeah. they'll watch him for two hours. Yeah. And I would get some more writing done. And after about six months, I had a first draft. Really? And I was like, oh my gosh, I did it. That's insane. <laughs> I couldn't believe it either. But, you know, it wasn't very good. Sure. <laughs> but I had like 70, 80,000 words. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, this is this is where yeah. we, this is a good starting point. And, and had you gotten like an agent or book deal or nothing? You're just nothing. Like, I'm just going to write it. No, when it comes to fiction, you don't get a book deal until you have a whole book done. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's a little yeah. different from nonfiction. Yeah, I could never be a novelist <laughs> then. I'll just go ahead and tell you right now. It's a big risk because you don't know if it's ever going to happen. I know. But you got to write the whole book and I'm make it really out. good. All I've got to do is write three paragraphs <laughs> with like a couple of sub points. And they're like, yeah, I write that book. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah, so it's kind of more complicated than that. And, and it wasn't until I finished my first draft that I started looking for a developmental editor. So yep. a more someone who was seasoned in the space sure. to read it and tell me, is this any good? Do I have a yeah. chance? Yeah. And so that person really made a difference oh. in this book. They're the one who who read the book and they were like, hey, you did this wrong and this wrong and this wrong and this wrong. Here's how you can make it better. Uh -huh. I did some coaching with her. Okay. But this was all after I had a first draft done. Um, so she helped me tremendously and I changed like 60% of the book yep. after talking with her. Yeah, um, so it was a whole another few months of editing and rewriting um, yeah. and a couple more drafts later. One of the most important things we can do for our kids is to teach them who they really 
are. And I know you're probably looking for resources to help you do that. Listen, my friend, Annie F. Downs. And when I say my friend, she is more than a friend. We toured this summer together. You guys know that I believe in everything that she does. She's got a brand new kids book that needs to honestly get to the top of your list. Like right now. Okay. Right now you need to go get it. But let me explain to you what it is, right? You may know Annie right from my tour, from her podcast, from the network that we're on together, from her books for grownups. But what you need to know is this adorable new addition to her catalog. It's called So Happy to Know You. The heart of this picture book, and it's a picture book with really amazing pictures, is to help your kids learn early and often that being exactly who they are is the greatest gift, right? It's full of delightful illustrations and it's got some alphabet fun. I'm telling you, this is like your kids that are little are going to love it. And A to Z, look at these special character qualities that can show our kids some of the amazing ways God created them. With her always Annie magic, Annie will teach the kids in your life to treasure how God made them special rather than trying to fit into others' expectations for them. This is such an important message. So listen, So Happy to Know You is out now. You can grab your copy wherever you like to buy books. Don't miss this chance to tell kids in your life how special they are with So Happy to Know You by Annie F. Downs, available on Amazon and wherever books are sold. Is hiring challenging? Do you love a challenge? Well, guess what? You need the hiring partner that I use to hire Whitney from Wisconsin. That is my assistant and she makes my life so much better. Who is that hiring partner? It is Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place, right? So instead of spending hours on multiple job sites, like searching and searching and praying and going, oh my gosh, I'm never going to find this human. No. Indeed streamlines hiring with powerful tools that find you matched candidates. Again, one of the things that I love about Indeed is that it has even helped me, okay? Even better, Indeed is the only job site where you only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. Other job sites I've used, I've had to pay for all the applications. Nope, this one, only the ones that match what we need. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job at Indeed.com slash human hope. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash human hope. Just go to Indeed.com slash human hope and support the show by saying you heard about it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash human hope. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Friends, I have a problem. The problem is my nose. Now, not the shape of my nose, but the fact that it works too well. I can smell things a mile away, good or bad. So thank God I found a brand new candle that I love from this incredible company called Notes Candles. Now listen, Notes has created a scent called Santel and Atlas Cedar that I burn every single day. It literally smells like I'm walking through a magical forest in New Zealand or something. I don't know why it's in New Zealand, but it smells like that. It smells so good. And here's the thing. Notes is actually solving another problem besides making my nose feel like it's in a good mood. They're solving the problem that the candle industry has that almost 2 billion candles are sold globally each year and almost all of them are likely to end up in landfills. So, Notes has created a refillable candle system that allows you to use your candle vessel again and again and again. So you don't become part of the problem. They've got incredible scents. 
Some of them are oat and balsam berry, vanilla and pepperwood, pistachio and rose water. So many. So this is what I want you to do. Be a responsible consumer while not giving up high quality home fragrance by making the switch to notes. You can build your custom starter kit right now at notescandle.com slash Carlos. Right now, Notes is giving listeners 15% off and free shipping when you buy a Notes starter kit using code Carlos. Just use code Carlos when placing your order. That's code Carlos at notescandle.com slash Carlos. It's in my hand, an American immigrant. Yes. A novel. Um, okay, so so once again, like I told you, my team sent me this email when when we got heard from your publicist. And I was like, oh, that's that's my family. Okay. Yes. And and then I started kind of going through a little bit of your story that goes along with the book. Yes. And I was like, oh my gosh. So as a lot of my listeners know, you know, I grew up, my mom's from Mexico and my dad is from Panama. And he's a black Panamanian. And when I was growing up, I really hid the black part of who I was. Mm. And I just embraced the Mexican part of who I was. Why was that? Well, we had moved to Atlanta in the South in the 80s and 90s. And it was a lot easier to be Mexican than it was to be black. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'm, no, my name's Carlos. I am like all in, right? Like I'm like, <laughs> like cut off the black part of me. And my dad's like all black, right? But he now he speaks Spanish because he's from Panama, but he's African, like he's black. Mm-hmm. And so for a long time, I just, I, I tried to kind of whiteify myself and just be as white as I can and try to, you know, not really lean into the heritage and who I was. And then a lot of things happened, right? There was a lot of things that happened in my adult life that I was like, why, why am I hiding and ignoring this part of who I am? And so I've talked a lot about this in my books. I've talked a lot about this on my podcast, but I would love to hear your perspective mm-hmm. of now, your your parents were immigrants, is that mm, correct? Yes, they were both from Colombia. Both from Colombia. Your perspective on on you as the child of two immigrants into America. And give me your kind of childhood before we get into the story, because because this is a this is a fictional story based loosely, I yes. think, on your life. On your mom's. Both. Both both yeah, both yours and your mom's life. Give just give me a little bit of yours, of your life growing up and maybe try to parallel it to maybe some of the struggles that I was having that I just mm-hmm. shared with you. Absolutely. I think your story is extremely similar to my story. Yeah. So both my parents immigrated here from Colombia when they were in their early 20s. Okay. So lived a lot of their, all of their youth in Colombia. Yeah. They both crossed the border illegally using yep. a coyote. Um, wow. And so they, and then they, they met in America. They didn't meet in Colombia. Married, had three kids. And so my siblings and I, I'm the youngest of three. Okay. We grew up in a home where our parents, their primary language was Spanish. Uh-huh. When we were really, really little, they didn't speak English. Yeah. They'd come from Colombia and they didn't speak any English. Oftentimes, they would try to practice their English with us because uh-huh. we would go to school and, and yeah. we, knew, we knew English. But they always spoke to us in Spanish for the most part. And we always responded in English. Okay. And so Same. I kind of, yeah. <laughs> this is amazing. And it's actually quite amazing how much I was able to to gather how much Spanish I was able to get from from just that, even right. though I wasn't responding in Spanish. I still am fluent in Spanish, which yeah. is amazing. But anyway, very similar to you, I once I was aware of my peers and surroundings in school, I definitely tried to hide that part of me mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. because 
because it was it was weird. It was yeah. different. You know, I grew up in suburban Maryland, and I didn't have a lot of friends whose parents were immigrants. Right. So every all my all my friends, their parents spoke English, and uh-huh. they cooked the the normal foods. Casseroles. And yes. I, <laughs> Yes, casseroles. Like, I never had a casserole growing up, ever. Seriously, seriously. I remember having my first cornflake-covered casserole. I was like, what is you this? You can't put cornflakes in your dinner? Totally. So it was very strange. Yeah. And I remember, like, smells from my lunchbox that people thought were weird. Yeah. And I remember there's this core memory that I have being probably in middle school at the skating ring with my friends on a Friday night and my dad calling me and saying something and I hung up and I said, bye dad. Uh And I was like, oh, that felt so weird because I'd never in my life called my dad, dad. Dad. He was papi. Yes. But none of my friends had a papi. Uh Nobody had a, like, that was like a weird, weird word to use in front of your friends. And so there was just a lot of moments like that where you, you try to hide kind of the life that you have at home. It's just completely different than than what your friends see at school. So it wasn't until after college, when I moved to Miami, I got a job in Miami. Can, I'm sorry. Can you tell me where you grew up? Like where, where was this? I was in Maryland. For, well, I, I was born in New York City. Okay. And then I, we lived there until I was about nine. Okay. And then I grew up the rest of the time in Maryland. In Maryland. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very it. suburban Maryland. Yeah. Um, went to college at Penn State. Okay. And then got a job in Miami. Got it. When I moved to Miami and all of a sudden I had culture shock Mm. because all of a sudden I was surrounded by Latinos and not just Latinos, but like Latinos who didn't speak English. (laughs) And I remember being shocked when I would go to Walmart or like a restaurant and they would speak to me in Spanish because I look very Latina, you know, so they're like, nope, no doubt. I walked in the studio and I was like, there's a Latina in here. There's a Colombian in here. (laughs) (laughs) I can't hide that. But, and they would speak to me in Spanish, but I would get so nervous and and be, and because I would just wasn't used to speaking Spanish outside of my home. Right. I only ever spoke it at home to my parents, maybe my aunts and uncles, but I didn't even speak it to my siblings or my cousins. Sure. So it caught me off guard and I'd get uh, really uncomfortable and think like, can you just, can we talk in English, please? Like, yeah. this is weird. So it wasn't until maybe a year into living in Miami that I finally was like, wait a minute, this is beautiful. Mm. This is cool. Like this part of me is yes. so cool. Yes. And the fact that I don't know, just being surrounded by other people who had the same exact upbringing because all of a sudden, all of my friends were children of immigrants. Everyone spoke Spanish at home. Everyone lived at home until they were married. Right. Or, you know, like no one just went to college and then didn't come back home. That's not what you do in a Latino household. (laughs) You you hear that, Sohaila? That's why you're living at the house. That's right. You got to get married first (laughs) and then you can leave. Uh, And the the boys too, not just the girls. Oh, right. Yeah. But anyway... All of a sudden, when I when I was surrounded by all these people who were like me, yeah. I started to appreciate it more and more and more. And I started to appreciate my own parents and my mm, own upbringing. Wow. And that's kind of the story that I wanted to share. Yes. Um, just showing the life of this young woman who for so, so long tried to push this part of her away because yeah. a lot of times it was embarrassing uh-huh. or it was frustrating. Like yeah. I remember having to just explain everything to my parents because uh-huh. we're from different cultures. They didn't grow up with the same things that I was growing up with. Right. So I had to explain everything to them and it, it got kind of like exhausting yeah. after a certain point. Yeah. So, yeah, I just wanted to share that story of what it was like to grow up in a household like that, help second generation Amer- immigrants feel seen uh-huh. and like it's not it's not abnormal. It's not weird. Right. And kind of encourage people to just seek out those parts of yourself that maybe aren't like everyone else and, uh-huh. and see how that can change your life for the better. Wow. How has it changed your life for the better? Well, I have a book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Um, so many things like. Yeah. 
when we get together as a family, like I'm so, because my husband is very, let's just say he's a lovely white man. Yeah, he, yeah he's white. <laughs> he's, he's a Southern like, white yeah. guy. You know, he's from Alabama. Oh, he is? Yes, wow. he is. And so, and I actually met him in Miami, funny enough. Oh, funny enough. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, when I get together with my family, I can just see the differences. I love his family. We have sure. a great time, but my family get, get togethers are very different. And I've just grown to like appreciate all of the culture, mm. the music, the food. Oh my gosh, the food is so good. And not just that, but the language, the yeah. fact that I can speak Spanish uh-huh. and, and help people in that way, yep. serve in my church in that way, teach my children Spanish. Yeah. I speak to my children a hundred percent in Spanish now really? because I know like my husband doesn't speak Spanish. So if I don't do it, yep. the language is going to die off and we're not going to be Absolutely. a family who speaks Spanish anymore. Yeah. So I only speak to my kids in Spanish and guess what? My Spanish is not perfect. Right. Sure. I speak gringo Spanish, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's not perfect, but yeah. that's better than no Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> so it's definitely changed my life in that way. And I think it's going to change my kids' life in that way yeah. because ever since learning about all these stories from my mom and writing this book, I'm that much more passionate about like feeding them the foods that we eat, uh-huh. playing the music in the car that they're wiggling to and yeah. dancing to and they're going to grow up to uh-huh. and speaking Spanish to them. And I want them to have those memories of like grandma and mom teaching me Spanish so and good. and all these things. And my kids already love platanos and, and empanadas yes. and everything. So um, it's definitely made a huge impact on my life. And, and even just the fact that I got the opportunity to write this book, like I wouldn't have had that opportunity right. if I didn't have these stories. So it's changed my life in a lot of ways. Tell, tell me a little bit about how you talk about collecting these stories from your mom. Tell me a little bit about about that process. Yeah. So I started hearing stories when I was in college. Okay. And I don't remember how it came up, but I remember being on the phone with my mom and she said something about and the stories in the book when she was at this at the airport in Mexico City. And at the time it was the time of Pablo Escobar, so uh-huh. everyone was afraid of Colombians. Sure, yeah. And they at the airport in Mexico City they pulled aside every single Colombian. So if you had a Colombian passport, uh-huh. you got pulled aside into a room. They stripped you down completely naked, searched your body. And not only that, then they took you to a hospital and did an ultrasound of your stomach. Wow, to make sure you're not- To make sure you're not carrying any drugs. So when I first heard that story, I was like, what? Yeah. That happened to you? Like, I, how did I, how am I 20, 19 years yeah. old and I've never heard this story before? Right. And so I started asking more questions and asking for more stories. And there were all these stories that I'd never heard before. And I guess that I, I was a journalism major in college. Mm-hmm. So I, I've always had that curiosity. And so I guess something just in me said, you better document these, write these down or yeah. something. And so I started either keeping them in my notes app, writing them in a Word document, or sometimes if I was with my mom, I would voice memo, okay. record her stories. Yep. Again, I didn't know what I was going to do with it, sure. but I just wanted to keep them somehow. Mm. So that was super fun because when the time came to start writing, I had all of these like yeah. notes and stories yeah. and voice memos. And and so, yeah, I just kept gathering and gathering. And I had I had a bunch by the time I sat down to write, which was which was great. Well, you know, and what I love about that is is you didn't know why you were why you were even gathering these things mm-hmm. besides the fact that you just I think subconsciously or maybe consciously you didn't want these stories to go away. No. They they would just disappear. Right. You know, and I I think even for the listener, that's something that that is important enough to do. If you like if you still have parents or grandparents that that have their memory, that that are there, that have stories. Yes. We actually did this with all of my grandparents 6 years ago. Oh wow. We we uh I just I took a camera and I said, "Hey, grandma, I'm just going to ask you questions." Mm-hmm. And I just hit record and just started asking. And the stories that I got from the simplest questions, yes, 
I probably am never going to write a novel about it, but now these stories, they will be passed down. Yes, they'll be in your family. Absolutely. It's so important. Absolutely. I remember thinking and telling my husband when I finished that first draft, I was like, hey, if I never, if this never gets published, that's okay. I'm going to like print it and my kids will have it. And I want my kids to read it and to know what their grandmother went through to get to this country so that you could be born in this country. You know, I want them to know all of the sacrifices that she made. So absolutely, it's, it's worth it, even if it's just for you, even if it's just for your kids or, or whoever, it's worth it to document and keep them forever. I finally got my Simple Modern Tumblr back. That's right. Y'all have heard me talk about Simple Modern on the podcast before. They're a fast-growing company that is one of the top drinkware providers to Target, Walmart, and Amazon. And I know y'all have seen me talking about their 40-ounce Trek Tumblr on my Instagram and on other people's pages, too. Listen, this is what I need you to understand. Fall is in the air. That's right. They've got great coffee drinking options that you can walk up to your car as the fall leaves are falling. And you've got your nice, warm, simple, modern tumbler or, or coffee mug, whatever it may be. They got NFL licenses so you can slap your team's logo on the side, even if your team's not that good. And of course, the best part is that they give 10% of all their profits to nonprofits that are committed to causes like fighting human trafficking, education, ending homelessness, and so much more. I love my 40-ounce Trek Tumblr, and you will too. Go to www.simplemodern.com slash human hope. And by sharing your email, you'll get a unique discount code just for you or bundle and save for back to school, which hopefully your kids are back in school already. This should be the go-to brand for your family. I love my Haya Kids Vitamins, and you know that I love to eat them myself. Well, I'm, do you eat vitamins? <laughs> I don't know if you eat them, but these these are good to eat. You you take them, uh, but your kids will probably, after they taste the Haya, going to be like, Mom, Dad, I want to eat a bowl of Haya. Well, you probably don't want to do that, but listen, Haya is the children's vitamin company that is not going to be filling the vitamins with like candy, right? Like Not with like two tablespoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk that all our kids don't need to be having. No, Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide healthy, full body nourishment our kids need. Okay, what are some of the things that are in there? I don't know. Vitamins, minerals. What are the vitamins? Vitamin D, B12, C, zinc, folate. Listen, as we get into fall, y'all's kids are going to be at school getting sick. Nope, not if you're taking Haya. Now listen, that is not like a proof in the pudding thing. I'm just saying that we've got to make sure our kids are as healthy as possible entering into the season because there's a lot of sickness going around. So what do we need to do? We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. Bam, that's humongous. Listen, to claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash human hope. This deal is not available on the regular website. You've got to go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash human hope and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. I mean, get, okay, so now now, now the, the book nerd in me is coming out. How did you land on the storyline you know, of the, the, you know, the, the characters and like how you develop them within this? Like how close is she to you? Mm-hmm. You know, like how, how mm-hmm. much play did you have with that? Mm-hmm. That's so fun because I have a lot of friends asking me like, how much of this is true? Yeah, yeah. So, okay, the mother in the book, uh-huh. I would say 
85% of her in the book is true. Okay. So the stories, the journal entries that you read, uh-huh. actually more like 90% okay, wow. is true. So definitely wanted to share all of her stories that she shared with me. Yep. And then the daughter, Melanie, she's probably like 60% me. Okay, okay. <laughs> so I got to be creative and add a lot and yeah. take away a lot yeah, that yeah. I don't want to share. <laughs> but I think it's, I think overall, it's just like a, a true general experience of the second gen. Like I've heard yep. a couple of people who are second gen tell me like, I've never felt more seen. Yeah. This is my story. Yeah. Um, and so I think, I think we all have a very similar story, yeah. but, but yeah, a, a lot of the, like the siblings, you know, those are pretty close connected to my personal life. Uh, my mom's siblings pretty close connected to our personal life. So Even where she grew up in New York. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. And she, the mother is from Cali, Colombia, which is okay. where my mom is from. Uh-huh. And Melanie grew up in New York and then Maryland, which is, you know, my story. She's a, she's a print journalist. So that was a little different because I was a broadcast journalist sure, yep. for a little bit. Yep. Yep. But yeah, a lot of it, a lot of it does align um, with both of our stories. Now, the one big part of the book that isn't connected to our real life is me like going to Columbia and finding those journals that never happened obviously as I told you I I heard these stories directly from my mom but I wanted to do I wanted to tell the story in like a more fun way where she's in Columbia so that part is different and not true but Man, I wish I did have some journals I know, that I can yeah. keep. That's so cool. <laughs> I will say there are two poems in the book that are actually my grandmother's poems. Really? So a, a beautiful part, a beautiful thing about this book is that I really feel like God wrote a lot of it uh-huh. or like got me unstuck a lot of the time. So sure. there was there was a time when I was super stuck on a plot point. I didn't know where to go. I was so frustrated because I was just, honestly, I was tired of working on it. it yeah. was, it's such a long process of writing a book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was coming to that end of like, like when you're finishing a marathon, you're like, I don't think I can go another mile. I'm right. exhausted. And I didn't know where to take the story. I call my mom and I was just complaining to her, like, I don't know where to take this. I don't know how to get from A to B. And she goes, oh, I I just found a couple of poems that your grandmother wrote to me. Do you want to see them? What? And my, my grandmother has passed since, yeah. but I, and I had no idea that she was a writer. Wow. Turns out there are like so many poems that she's written that my mom still has, like really? the physical copies of it that yeah. she's taped to albums that are beautiful. She has this beautiful cursive handwriting. And she sent them to me and there were two of them that were like, perfect to get me from A to B in the book. And they ended up in the final draft. So, you know, stuff like that where, where it's a fictional, it's not, it's an, it's a novel, it's fiction, Uh but so much of it is true and real and getting to add those little pieces of my ancestors in there um, is really, really sweet. I love that. I love that for somebody that is, um, okay, I'm going to ask two different questions and they're for two different audience members that are listening to this. What do you hope the person that is, in a family of immigrants to this country that would pick up this book would feel when they read the book. So a second generation immigrant, third generation of somebody that, and they're like, oh, her story sounds familiar to me. I'm going to pick it up. What do you you hope that they feel reading this? I hope they feel pride. Mm. I hope that they're proud of no matter where it is. I hope that they're proud of where they come from because it's so easy when you're surrounded by people who are not like you, but are similar to everyone else. It's so easy to feel like you don't belong or that you were kind of dumped into this life that you don't deserve Uh or like you should have had a different life. And 
I definitely had moments as a child thinking I wish I was white. Yeah, sure. Because the people around me who were white yeah. had big houses, had right. ni- their parents drove nice cars, they had money, they could they would go to like Europe on their summer vacations. Right. And I never did that. We right. shared a one bedroom hotel at the beach for one night. Yeah. That was our summer vacation. Yeah. So I I just hope that that the second gen, third gen, whoever feels a deep sense of gratitude mm, for good. the life that they have and for the, the family that God put them in, no yeah. matter how broken it is, because yeah. there's brokenness in my family and yeah. you'll read about it in the book, but but you can there's still a sense of gratitude mm. um, for for the life that you have and for the ancestors that you have because they teach you so much yeah. if you if you give them a chance yes. to tell you about it. I love it. Oh, that's good. I should just end with that question because <laughs> that was such an amazing answer. So maybe Thank we you. will, or if not, I'm going to have you answer this question anyway. <laughs> so for the people that aren't second generation generation immigrants, for the people that you know. Maybe don't. Maybe they. Maybe they lived the uh, European vacation in the summer, <laughs> and they. You know, when they read this book, what do you hope they feel? Mm, that's good. Yes, I hope they feel mm. curiosity. Mm. I hope they. I hope they're curious to get to know their friends a little bit more deeply because mm-hmm. I think even some of my friends growing up may not have known that. At home, I was speaking a different language, right. or that my parents didn't speak a, speak a certain language. Elmer. Or your dad was named Papi. Exactly, <laughs> that I had a Papi and not a dad right, or a daddy. Right. Yeah. And my kids, funny enough, call my husband Papi now. Oh, uh, yeah, they do. <laughs> Which is so cute because he's like this white guy walking yeah, around and his yeah. little kids are calling him Papi. That's so good. Um, but anyway, I hope, I hope that they're curious and that they ask questions yeah. and also gain a new appreciation yeah. for their friends who are different from them. And yeah, I just hope that That's curiosity great. ensues. No, curiosity. I've always said it, curiosity breeds empathy. Yes, and, exactly. You know, the more curious you are, the more empathetic you exactly. are. Exactly. Last question. Okay, this has been fantastic. I could talk to you for an hour. <laughs> um, Nashville, Colombian food. Is there any? Yes. And can I find it? And yes. tell me where to go. Okay. Tell us all. Two places. Okay. They're, they're, <laughs> Bam. They're both in Antioch. Of course they are. The first one is Mi Colombia. Mi Colombia. Which is an old gas station, but no it's way. so cute. They've got this big school bus looking thing, but it's got the Colombian flag on yeah. it. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. So good. Yes. Definitely go there for like a big plate of food uh, okay. if you're Got really it. hungry. Yep. And then the other place is Mi Cucharita Mi, or Mi Cucharita. La, Cu- La Cucharita. Okay. Uh, which just means little spoon. Yep. And that one is great. Like their empanadas are delicious for like the smaller plates. So good. I've taken my mom, who's obviously yeah. born and raised in Colombia. I've taken yeah. her to both places and she loves really? both places. Oh, so Mi Colombia wow. and La Cucharita. Okay. Highly yeah. recommend. <laughs> Awesome. Joanna, thank you so much for hanging out. Thank you. Uh, Joanna, Joanna Van. Van. Not Vaughn. Uh, this is amazing. Very important book. I, I recommend, again, everybody that's listening to this podcast, go get it. Uh, you'll laugh, you'll cry. And you'll, again, hopefully you will gain a appreciation and some curiosity uh, will come out of it. So thank you so much for thank hanging you, out. Thank you, Carlos. This was yeah, fun. It's fun. How good was that? Uh, I mean... What I love, probably my favorite thing about it is just those journals, the, the journals and knowing that the fact that all of our parents, immigrants or not, they just have stories, you know, and, and here's something else like I recommend that if you still have grandparents living or parents that are living, put up a put up a camera in front of them, just start asking them their stories so that you've got history that you can lean into and then your kids can lean into. It's going to be really important. Thank you, Joanna, so much for that. And friends, hey, let's throw in a little Dr. Delight. Hey, y'all know what to do. Show up, please, here next week. Same time, same place. 
men, women, and children. Hope is in the building. That's right. Hope is in the building, human hope. And I'm so glad you are here. Next week, <laughs> it actually has been maybe the podcast many of you have been waiting for. Let me give you a hint. That's right. Next week, I'm talking to one of the four, not forefront, one of the leading voices in beekeeping in America here in Tennessee. And we're going to learn how bees and humans are really similar and how bees can help us have human hope. No, believe me, trust me, you're going to be here. All right, see you next week. <laughs>